the recognized symbol of excellence and brotherly entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Cavefans. With the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast, I am one of your aforementioned brothers in Kayfabe, coming to you live from the Chase Center Arena in San Francisco, California. Not really, but that is where we're talking about this week on Brothers in Kayfabe. I am one of your hosts, the Capo de Cape, Kinzer Keel, two my right in the StreamYard studio is Mr. Rasslin, Landon Bumgarner. As always, is my great honor, my great privilege, and my great joy to be here live in the Brothers in Kayfabe studio, virtual home library network, whatever you want to call it. It's great. Some big things are cooking up in the world of home media and digital media in terms of BIK. Are we going to have the BIK network one day for $9.99? Probably not, but we're going to have something a little similar at some point, maybe. I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> but regardless if we make it on syndication or not, it is still so great to be here live with all of you. Jake, I'm very grateful for those who have stuck with us from the very beginning, 115 episodes ago. 115 episodes, that means we are only 10 episodes away from 100 and a quarter. We, we're, we've almost got a buck 25 in our pocket, and uh, which is about how much this podcast has made us over the last three years. Um, hey, we have made almost 10 times that much, give or take. We don't need to give you an exact figure, but we <laughs> I can faithfully say we've made more than $1.25. <laughs> I do know that we've made more than a dollar twenty-five, but you know, maybe the dollar twenty-five we made was the friends along the way. That's what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> you know, it's it's not about the money you made; it's the friends you you brought along with you. And we have made a lot of friends on this uh, on we this journey. Most so certainly have. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy week in wrestling you know real quick i mean jay uso finally showed his allegiances last night i don't know if you got to see that yet on raw um fantastic segment uh i saw i finally saw the promo from cody and roman from friday night um which just solidifies that Yes, Cody versus Roman is the right decision at Mania because that was mm-hmm. a money promo between the two. Um, especially the uh Roman doing the the dusty impression. Which saying, we know Cody absolutely cannot stand people do the dusty impression. Right. And you know, him doing the dusty impression and then saying, you know, baby, you got it. You got it 
it, baby. You know what he used to say about you? Nothing. Oh, my gosh. You could see Cody's blood boiling, and he knew it was coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I'm i really excited about the road to WrestleMania. But, Landon, we have a different stop along the wrestling uh, road right now to talk about. But until we, but before we get into that, let's hear some some from an old friend, Mr. Mark Maggard. Hello, Mark Maggard here, inviting you to join us Thursday night on Spanning the Globe, where we discuss the belt hobby and professional wrestling, and have a little fun along the way. Andy, Jim, Lane, Richard, and myself love to have a good time talking about wrestling. We love for you to join in the fun with us. It's Spanning the Globe, Thursday night at 7 Central, 8 Eastern, in the Wide World of Belts Facebook group and on the Wide World of Belts YouTube channel. We'll see you then. And we invite each and every one of you to join Mark Maggard on Spanning the Globe every Thursday night in the Wide World of Belts Facebook group. We should be having him on again very, very soon. I, I'm should. actually we need to. hoping to see him soon as he's got something of mine that uh, he's ready to drop off. Um, but the gentleman had his, uh, I believe, his shoulder operated on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's out of commission for a little while, but he'll still be podcasting. But we hope uh, Mark has a speedy recovery. Real quick before we get into the meat of the podcast... March 18th in Shawnee, Oklahoma at 811 MacArthur Street. Uh, Empire Pro Wrestling. Uh, It's not called Out of Luck anymore. It's called Defying the Odds. Benefit show for Kareem Sadat. Make sure you come out. Enjoy uh, some good pro wrestling from here in Oklahoma. Doors open at 530 bell time at 6 o'clock. Tickets are $12.00. And uh, you'll be able to hear one Kinzer Keel on commentary, making a special commentary debut for Empire Pro Wrestling. And maybe just a little bit more. Uh, So uh, be there on March 13th or 18th. Excuse me. March 18th, Empire Pro Wrestling defying the odds landed. Saturday, Sunday. Gosh, I am all over the place today. Sunday. It has been a week. It's not even even the middle of the week yet. We're two days in, but it's been a week. It's been, as my wife likes to say, it's been a week today. Yeah, it has. It has been a week today. Um, Landed Sunday night. We had probably... Would you say that this is AEW's biggest show of the year? I think, it's starting to seem like it. I think there, you know, historically it was always all at, out or double or nothing. But the last two years, there seems to be a lot more effort put into Revolution in terms of, you know, payoffs and yeah. big marquee matches. So it, it kind of makes you wonder... You know, what's what's the card going to look like at double or nothing here in about a month and a half? 
Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of wild to think about because, um, I mean, you look back at last year's uh, revolution. The uh, main event was Hangman versus Adam Cole for the title. We had John Moxley versus Brian Danielson on the verge of forming the Blackpool Combat Club. Mm. But also we had. CM Punk versus MJF in a dog collar match, which was one of my favorite matches of the year. Um, so it's really starting to feel that way that this is they're kind of positioning this as their, you know, big grand event, their final battle, their Tokyo Dome, their WrestleMania. I don't want to just put it out there as WrestleMania, but let's say, you know, the Super Bowl of AEW. You know, that's kind of where revolution is heading. Um, and let's talk about it. I mean, yeah, what what a great event. I mean, I, I didn't see one match the entire night that I didn't like uh, as they as the kids say, all bangers, I guess, is what you'd say. Um they weren't all spectacular five-star matches, but they were all fun. They all had their moments and they all had their own reason to be on the card. What did you think before we get into it? You know, match by match. What did you think of the whole card as a whole? I honestly going into the, the pay-per-view really outside of the main events. I wasn't truthfully super excited about any of the matches on the card, and I'll dive into that a little bit later, but I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the card itself. Um, Like, it was, honestly, you know, we've talked about this before, the last several um, AEW pay-per-views have not felt as big as you mm-hmm. would expect and how we were kind of accustomed to them feeling, you know, like it felt like a big deal. You know, we, we described, uh, this, I mean, the last, literally the last couple of pay-per-views that we've discussed, they feel more like an extended TV broadcast than they do a pay-per-view event. And this was not the case. This actually felt like a pay-per-view. So I was, you know, I was a little bit uh, pessimistic going into the pay-per-view, and I left very surprised and entertained. So I'm th- I'm not mad the slightest. I think I'm right there with you. I really think that because, you know, I I was not excited by a lot of the matches. Um, a lot of them felt like predetermined, like this is, you know, it, they, it was a very predictable card to me going into it, and I was wrong. Um, the only match I didn't get to see was uh, Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros versus Ari Davari and the Varsity Athletes. That was on the on the uh, buy-in, the buy-in zero hour, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Now, uh, uh, because you just brought it up. A point I had never thought about until maybe it was yesterday, if not today. Um, Mark Sterling commented um, because somebody asked him, you know, 
how does it feel to be on the pre-show and not the main card? And he made an excellent point of if he's not on the main event, then he would much rather be on the pre-show. Because if you look at the numbers, the pre-show, which is live on YouTube, has way more viewers than the pay-per-view card itself. Yeah. You know, let's say... It's free. Yeah. And, you know, you might be saying, yeah, but it's, you know, it's not the same sincerity as, you know, the main card or the main event or anything, which absolutely you're right. But, you know, if you get to go on first, you get full advantage of a fresh crowd. You get the opportunity to, you know, show off for them. If you want to do a suicide dive, guess what? They haven't seen... 400 already so you can right you know you get to capitalize on the freshness of the crowd but just something i hadn't thought about that man you know let's say <clears throat> say there's thirty thousand people that buy the pay-per-view and you know two million watching on youtube yeah i mean i i would kind of agree with it uh you know Number one, you go ahead and get out of the way. You know, you're you get out there, you get to do your spot and then you get to, uh, you know, relax the rest of the night. I know personally on an indie card, if we're later in the show, the worse my nerves get because I'm just sitting there thinking about it. Thinking about what my spot is going to be going over it, going over it. I would much rather get to the building and do what I'm going to do. Um well, it goes back into historically cards were built to the point to where it would kind of crescendo in the main event. And that's why there were fines the rules of like, hey, you cannot go to the top rope until this point on the card. You cannot go outside the ring and do moves until this point of the card. Because if you have full reign to do any move and anything you want, the whole time on the card, then you get to the main event and it's like, well, what can I do that they haven't already seen multiple times tonight? Right. Right. And I, and I get that too, but you know, it's his, his every spot on the card is there for a reason. And mm-hmm. usually it's a point of pride to be one of the first out because you get to set the tone for the show as well. And from what I've heard, they set the tone right away. And I mean, having Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros involved doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, it, they they're definitely those kind of people that can go out there and set the tone for an entire show. Um, and then some people, some guys like Mark Mark Sterling, who are doing some of the best heel work in the company. Uh, you know, it's great. Mm-hmm. But um. But I don't really have an opinion on the match because I haven't got to see it yet. So uh, we'll get there uh, eventually. But um, first match on the main card, this one, I really thought that we were going to get the dreaded Chris Jericho win again. But I I was pleasantly surprised to see Ricky Starks pull it out on this. I've said it before. I think Ricky Starks is one of the future pillars of this company. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to be a huge deal going forward. 
and uh, we got to start it now. I mean, we got to start getting, getting, getting the heat on them right now. So, yeah, especially, and I'll, I'll probably touch on this a little bit later. You know, we saw how hot that reaction was when him and Hobbs split up. And what has happened since then cooled off quite a bit. And now Mm -hmm. you got to rebuild it because you let what was white hot cool off. So I I think it was the smart move. Um, You know, I'm not going to sit here and critique Chris Jericho, but the common theme is you see really hot talent getting into a program with him. And at first it's like, okay, this is going to continue. They're strapping the rocket ship to him. <laughs> but then by the time the program's actually done, neither one of those guys, Chris Jericho's nowhere closer to the main event. And the, you know, the person he's in a feud with is not as, is not as marketable as they were, you know, five perfect, matches previously. Perfect example. Last year, Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston was red hot at that point. Got the win over Chris Jericho. You thought, okay, they're pushing him. And then now he's relegated to ROH. Yep. And I don't hate that move because I think he's going to flourish over there. But like they were setting him up for bigger things. And then he ended up being second fiddle in a uh, feud against the uh, the House of Black. So mm-hmm. You know, we'll see uh, where Ricky Starks goes from here. I hope this was the I'll say this. I hope it was the end of that feud because I hope so, too. Jericho's feuds tend to go on way too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Jericho MJF. Right. And it's like. All right, there's <laughs> there's nothing new. We're just kind of coasting. But, you know, we we yep. don't know until it happens. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, Ricky Starks, uh, sh- they should strap the rocket ship to him. It, them cooling him off a little bit uh, also cooled off Powerhouse Hobbs. Mm. I don't know what they were doing with Hobbs there for a while. It looked like they were going to bring him up as the next big mid-card heel. And then you just didn't see him a lot. Um, yeah. I don't know if he was hurt, uh, you know. It seems like he's back in that spot because he's he's going for the TNT title this week. Um, but that's a guy that I think is another future Ricky Starks. I mean, yeah. uh, the guy that's going to be, you know, next in line whenever they start. And he's a guy that if this were WWE, I could see them giving the money in the bank to because mm-hmm. he's just he's got the look. He's got the heel ability. We just need to let him fly a little bit. Right. So, so something a little bit controversial, something heated. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I do agree with, and this is me not bashing or anything, but I, I saw a hot take that said AEW does a better job at cooling off white hot talent than anybody else. And I hate to agree with it, but... I think if you look at Ricky Starks, if you look at Hobbs, I mean, if you look at Wardlow right after he beat MJF, yeah, the first time, it's like, okay, you know, lightning bolt, we got it trapped in a bottle, here we go, and you just kind of fizzle it out. And then down the road, you all of a sudden, oh, oh I, well, we're here back here, so I, 
you know, that tends to happen when you have a bloated roster. That tends to happen whenever creative is a little bit unstable. So I hope that we're kind of we're kind of beyond that similar situation with Eddie Kingston, you know, with him. Listen, I can I hope he we're taking off now. I completely agree. I completely agree. Hangman, there's no better story than Hangman right before he won the title. Mm-hmm. He should have won that title in June that year. Instead, they waited till I think it was October. Yep. Um. So, you know, and part of that was his own fault with, you know, the timing of, you know, getting pregnant with his wife and him taking paternity leave, you know, but they should have they should have pulled that trigger a lot sooner and that story suffered for it yeah um we're we're wasting a lot of time on this but it's good it's good talk yeah uh you know they i agree they do cool off white hot talent so much yeah and we'll see some effects of that throughout the rest of the card um another person that was pretty white hot at for a while and now has been almost a year feeling like they've been feuding uh jungle boy and christian cage um case in point case in point this is a good match i mean i don't think the sum of the parts i don't think you can have a really bad like a bad match um they obviously work well together if they've been Mm -hmm. working together this long but you know, I'm glad that this was billed as like the final match in their their saga, because Jungle Boy needs to go off and do better things. Mm-hmm. For, for me personally, it it's not what I wanted it to be. It was a fine match, but with and part of it was you know they both have had injury, and yeah. so you know it's just one of those bad luck things to where the program automatically cools up. But now the pay-per-view's coming up, so we're going to try and heat it back up real, real fast and (laughs) have the blow-off match. It, I think it was the smart move in the sense of we just need to get beyond this story. Yeah. Um, We need to close the book on it. (laughs) Yeah. If it's one of the last things Christian Cage does in AEW, I'll be sorely disappointed because, you know, it. in that sense, it feels flat to close the story. I don't but, think that's where they're going with that, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. But it's one of those things to where it's like, man, they, they either needed to build it just to, but because AEW doesn't have pay-per-views very often, you're kind of stuck of, well, do we just go ahead and pull the trigger and wrap it up now or hold off and try and build it a little bit more? So I think it was smart that they just went ahead and got it done, but you and, know, and let's talk on that real quick. I mean, they don't have their their pay-per-views very often, which means most of their pay-per-views usually feel bigger than what a normal pay-per-view would be. Like we said, we the last couple have suffered from some weird booking decisions. But I also think that they've had stories that got derailed because of injury. Mm-hmm. Wardlow got injured, Jungle Boy got injured, Christian got injured. Um, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, moving parts that they've had to change around, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't use that as a excuse either because a good wrestling show is a good wrestling show, no matter what. Yeah. And it's all about how you navigate the use of 
you know, those bumps in the road and do you build the, time to where, well, we can't do this until Kenny's back from injury. Right. So we're not going to do anything. It's like, <clears throat> no, you could, you can build great stuff. And there was a, there was a while where they, they didn't miss on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, uh, we're talking years. They yeah, didn't like miss. from their inception. It was so cannot miss. Like, I mean, Jake, you and I know we got every single pay-per-view. Yeah. Did not miss them for so long because they were it was a big they deal. They were must see TV as far as far as wrestling fans go. Mm-hmm. And um, so we all knew that they were gonna miss eventually. Mm-hmm. We all know it, there's inevitable. growing pains, it's inevitable, but Excuse me. I feel like we need to bring back the importance of um, the TV special mm-hmm. there for a while. You know, they were doing Fighter Fest. and They're doing uh, Fight for the Fallen. They need to spread those out a little bit. Yeah, because those are like all within a month. Yeah. Um, but we need like to have boom, 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 boom. And it loses. We need luster. we need to keep with the, you know, Every couple months, there's a pay-per-view, but maybe like the quarterly TV special where it's a pay-per-view card for Mm -hmm. free. Saturday night's main event. Exactly. And, you know, they need to make, they have the battle for the belt. Mm -hmm. TV specials, they need to make those seem like an actual pay-per-view. 100%. Um, You know, if you're going to have the battle for the belts, you need to have the world champion defending on it. You need to have all your belts defended on it, you know, make it special. Um, so that's what I have to really say about that. Uh, I think jungle boy is going to go to do some bigger things. Mm-hmm. We need to, you know, it, it's one of those things. We need to get him separated from the Luchasaurus story. We need to get him separated from the Christian story. We need to let Jungle Boy move on from, well, I'm just the tag team guy who's got a little bit of a singles run now. We need to allow him to evolve and adapt. I think there's still some meat on the bone with revisiting Luchasaurus. I think you just got to be smart instead of, you know, if we're recording this on a Tuesday, if tomorrow night on Dynamite, if Luchasaurus comes out and attacks Jungle Boy from behind, it's like, well... What are we doing? Yeah, you just can't do that. I will say this about the match, though. That finish where Christian's dropped in the casket, the lid shuts, poof. You got that dust come up. Far better explosion than the barbed wire death match. Yeah, I liked it. I liked <laughs> it a lot. It was a really good vid- visual. Yeah, um, it was, it was kind of cartoony, but it just, like, I don't, Part of me thinks that wasn't exactly supposed to happen, and that's what made it even better, that it was just so like... Yeah, just so. I like it. I like it. Um, The next match was the Trios Championship. House of Black versus the champions, the Elite. Um, This was the one match that I was really torn on a winner all week because I could see them keeping, keeping the belts on the elite a little longer mm-hmm. I could see. Uh, but also the house of black needs to do something. Yeah. And you, you're not, you can't be that great of a team if you never win anything and they won it. So yep. I, you know, it was a good match. 
the sum of its parts, uh, like I've said before, the sum of its parts, they couldn't have a bad match. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you have legitimately the best wrestler in the world, Kenny Omega, on in in the match. You you it's hard to miss with him. Um, there's a reason why he was able to have a match with Blow Up Doll. Like <laughs> he's like he's. It's one of those things we've talked about it before. Like the in-ring work can be absolutely solid, but you still got to give the people a reason to watch beyond that. And I think this is a step in the right direction. uh, Cause it's like, you said it perfectly, Jake, they got to figure out something to do with the house of black. Cause the house of black is great. They have a great entrance. They're great in the ring. They have great promos, but it's kind of like Bray Wyatt. Okay. All Bray does is cut good promos and lose. Right. So why would I ever bank in it? Why why would I ever believe any of his promos about how he's going to do something great and something right. worth watching? The House of Black needs to be able to destroy people. Yeah. And because and create, I, go ahead. I I loved that they they kept the visual of them. They won it. They got the titles. The the uh, arena went black, and then they were gone. I loved it. Yeah. Keep that mystique. What were you getting ready to say? I was just going to say, because now it's creating the opportunity. Obviously I wouldn't be surprised if the elite challenges again, but then you got to think, okay, if it's not the elite that challenges, you know, is there anyone else credible in the trios division to step up and dethrone house of black? And I think this is the opportunity. You have some, kind of partial teams put together to, you know, challenge just to strictly put House of Black over. And I think you you could easily tell the story of we know House of Black is good and they're talented, but now they have an extra level of confidence. So they're yeah. even more ruthless in their matches because they're like, oh, we just beat the top team this company has to offer. So now that we're just going to steamroll through the competition until you have a worthy challenge. I agree with it. And the the great thing about it is we get a whole new level of matches. You have a it's it's simply it's simple wrestling. You have a heel team now carrying the belts. Mm-hmm. Now you have a different dynamic to these these challenges. You know, you can have a team like the best friends try to to go after them. You can have, you know, like you said, some teams that kind of just get made up to to challenge. Um, you can have AR Fox and and Top Flight go after the belts. You know, there's a lot, a lot more you can do with the belts. I know that some of my options didn't sound like the best options, but you know, it opens up the challenger list a lot better. Um, yeah. And some some talent, they're better in that chase spot than they are this, as champions. Right. I mean, and so, you know, like the best friends, probably not going to be super, <coughs> uh, like super believable as trios champions beating the House of Black. But so great in that chasing role that you're going to have absolute sympathy if, you know, the best friends are handcuffed and 
we see someone like Dan House and Orange Cassidy just getting their brains stomped out by the House right. of Black. Like, they're going to get sympathy that, you know, another team, like, if that were to happen to the elite, like, no one's going to feel that level of sympathy for Kenny getting a three-on-one beatdown as they were, like, come on, that's... Who did Trent ever, like, be mean to? Like, we can finally have the darkest match of it all the house of black versus the dark order in a in a darkest black match darkest black man pitch black <laughs> dark match but uh it's the right decision you know brody king is probably one of their best uh talents on the roster right now in my opinion i love me some brody king so absolutely and this is like i hope <clears throat> we're still quite a ways away from this but selfishly, like, I, I at some point, I want to see Brody and Malachi fight for power as who's the leader of the House of Black. I dig that. I dig but that But I don't want it to be one of those things, okay, they win the titles. Okay, this next Wednesday, we're pulling the trigger. So. I also want Buddy Matthews to finally get some tattoos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Hey, if he'd just listened to his brother-in-law, Dom, he'd get all those prison yeah, you know. Get those prison tatties, baby. Um, the next match was the one I the one I was most confident in, and that was Jamie Hayter retaining. Um, it was a perfectly serviceable match. I think Soraya had her best showing since coming back in this match, um, with the extra layer of Ruby Soho turning heel at the end. Uh that was the story going into this was mm. what, where is Ruby going to be at the end of this? And it was more of a match that it was about the title, but it was more about what we're going to look at as far as Ruby Soho coming out of this, because mm-hmm. you know, Ruby had been tugged both ways and the second Ruby came out with a new look, my brain went, okay, she's turning tonight. She's going with the with the uh, outsiders, if you will. Yep. And, you know, that's, that's where her allegiances are going to lie. And I'd like to see Ruby as a heel again. I mean, she was a really good heel in, in WWE. So, you know, the Riot Squad did did some really great work there for a little while. So I'm excited to see what she can do here. Jim Neidhart's corpse on the table. (laughs) I, I will say this. I'm, I'm glad things happened the way that they did because I think Soraya is a perfect example (laughs) of, you know, there's this big momentum of, Oh my gosh, she's coming out of retirement. She's here. And there really hasn't been a whole lot to show. Now what do we do with you? <laughs> yeah, now what do we, you know, it's the, you know, she, uh, we, I've got a big announcement this Wednesday night on Dynamite. Here we go. And that was it. That, that was that was the peak of the run. And so I'm, right. I'm very interested to see how this continues to play out. I think the women's division has been the most interesting because we've really only seen a few actual stars built up to star level. And none of those are really in the mix right now. And so it's just interesting to see, you know, how 
as time goes on, how are they going to balance out and develop it? Because historically for women, and it's because there's fewer women's titles to go after, you know, it's not uncommon for you just to have a very small core group of talent that's that elevated. But who's to say, you know, we can't have, you know, you have your TBS title and you have your women's title. Who's to say that we can't have just like meaningful matches in the women's division outside of title contention? Right. So, and I we think, should. Yeah, we absolutely should. We should add some tag team titles. I mean, yeah, do get, do something to at least have two segments every night of women on on the show. Yeah, give us give us a grudge match. That's yeah. not even the title's not even in the picture. It's just hey, these two can't stand each other, and yeah. now it's have, gonna culminate. Next pay per view, have Soraya and Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. Lights both up, have maybe. both have one of their buddies in their corner. There you go. Um, I think it's smart. I think Jamie Hader is the right decision for this division right now. Mm-hmm. Until Jade is ready. Yeah, because I think Jade is their star. I think that's their star in the making that is going to be that larger than life woman character uh, for that division. But right now, you know, Jamie Hayter is a great baby face. She's obviously over. She was getting baby face pops whenever she was a heel, mm-hmm. um, which organically turned her and Brit face. Yeah. And you've got to take advantage of that. Right organic momentum because it's better than anything you could try and structure yourself. Right. So, um, I'm interested to see where the women's, uh, division goes from here because they're, they're building something, you know, you've almost got your women's NWO going on over there with, with them. I'm not saying it's going to be, uh, that level of importance, but like, that's obviously the the blueprint that they're working off of right now is is that outsiders NWO uh, story. So um, the Texas death match. Some have said this was the best Texas death match they've ever seen. Um, I could not watch most of it. Uh I will say this. I'm okay with barbed wire. I'm okay with a lot of things. The fork. I literally have to turn away. It, it's like the, it's like the piece pizza cutter. I, I just, I can't watch it. I can't. It's, it, it does that. Um, they made the right decision here without having hangman get a big victory. This is the first time Moxley has lost by submission since WWE and he lost to Daniel Bryan. So that's a big moment. And I hope they take advantage of that with hangman. Um, Whether, you know, he's earned Moxley's respect and joins their group, you know, whatever they do from here, they need to book him as a star and book him as the former world champion. He's a star. So, you know, they need to book him as such. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the match for the most part, but you know, it, 
I can't completely watch a Texas death match and yeah. just stay on target with it. Yeah. Personally, for me, this is one of those. I think it was a great match for what it was. I think it's huge that Hangman Page won because it's, you know, it's like we were talking about just a little bit ago. He's had a lot of start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And thankfully, Moxley is one of those where he's above that because of his longevity and the way that he's been booked since debuting at Double or Nothing to where, you know, there's that credibility there's that credibility built into all of his appearances to where it's like okay like nothing's really going to damage his believability as a big storyline um participant or a contender my only hesitation with this and this is just me being picky and wanting good long-term long-term storytelling with everything i do wish that this match would have been saved for just a little later down the road. I think just having a little, maybe not even multiple matches, but maybe even just one match, maybe two matches to help set up the need to elevate or not elevate, but escalate to this stipulation and just to do it. And that's just me being nitpicky. I think they, they did a fine job. I think they could have built it up a little bit more, but that you also get into pay-per-view timing and all that kind of stuff too. And I also like the simple premise of this, of why they got here where they both, yeah, they both had beat each other, but they weren't satisfied Mm -hmm. and they were both seeking the satisfaction that they needed from this match. And so I liked that setup. Uh, I agree with you. I wish they would have waited a little bit longer, but Hey, you know, this is another one of those uh, seemingly uh, feuds that won't end. Yeah. Because um, they've been feuding for months now. Um, this was the fourth match in this feud between them. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm satisfied with it. It's yeah, it is what it is, and it uh, you, there was nothing wrong with it. No, um, I think I think it'll be curious to kind of see how they go forward, like how they revisit <coughs> this. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing I would have changed, and like I said, this is Mr. Rasslin just being super nitpicky. <laughs> and because I've watched way more classic NWA and Jim Crockett this week than I normally do. <laughs> but just this idea of like, you know, the premise is they haven't had that opportunity just to beat the absolute tar out of each other. You know, give a little glimpse of that to where one of them gets disqualified and then they're furious because it cuts short them. Right. Really getting to show like, okay, like I'm going to take you to your limit. And then you kind of flip flop that and have another experience to where maybe it's a cage match or something. And, you know, let's say you have mocks on the outside because he's going to do something crazy. You know, he's... It looks like he's going to hit his finisher from the top of the cage. You know, Hangman's on this side of the cage. Mox is here, and he's getting ready to hook those arms, and he loses his footing, and Mox falls down, touches the ground. So the match is over, but he didn't get to do the damage he wanted to do. Well, the best way we can fix that is Texas Deathmatch. Either way, I loved it. I'm a sucker of hardcore wrestling. I closed my eyes when I saw the fork. Because I think... 
when I see that little preschool fork that he pulls out with the yep. with the white handle, I'm just like, okay, I'm turning away for a little it, bit. It's like, one of those things. This was a good example of, uh, you know, a hardcore, a death match, street fight, lights out, whatever you want to call it. It needs to be reserved for something special in a feud. Yeah. You know, it's not something like it's a bump in the road. And I felt like this was it. And so I think it'll be interesting. I think you let there be some good separation between Mox and Hangman for a little bit, whether you keep them both off yeah. TV a little bit or one or the other. And then you revisit. Maybe they have the first solo blood and guts match okay. because you've got to kick it up to the next level. Either way, I'm pumped or let them stadium stampede anarchy in the arena by themselves. Yeah. Do something. You know, I, I don't know. Um, the next two matches were very predictable for me. I saw Wardlow winning the TNT title a, a long way. Um, don't really need to talk about it. I think it's the right move. I think you move Samoa Joe over to ROH and let him kind of lead the charge as far as the veteran presence over there. Yeah. Um, and then Wardlow go on to, you know, try to build that shine back up. Yeah, we we need that momentum again. Um, and I I had been calling this, and and you can vouch for me. Okay. Um, I don't think the guns are going to lose those titles until they face FTR. FTR returns. That was the most important part of that match. It was a good match, but it was the most important part of the match. It's where they were going. Yeah. And it's what you wanted the fans to walk away with note focused on. Not that the guns retained, but that FTR is back for the titles. I got to say the guns out of anyone out there probably have the most heel heat, classic heel heat out of anyone right now, because I don't know anyone that wants to see the guns do anything good. Yeah. And this is what's perfect because you have a lot of people saying, see, they're just bad heels because people don't even want to watch them. And it's like, no, they're doing their job. You you shouldn't like them at all. You shouldn't want to go online and buy gun I, club merch. I It's not that I don't want to watch them. I am ready for someone to beat them. And that's exactly how it should be. Like yeah. you, hate, you hate them. You don't want to listen to them talk. You don't want to see them win. You want to see them get the snot beat out of them. And run off TV. The day FTR beats them for the tag team titles will be the greatest day because it's it's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I I hope we see some screwy finishes in their first couple of mat- matchups. I would like that to where like imagine this, you know, at double or nothing. FTR versus the gun club and the gun club wins because they pull the tights or like that Randy Orton clip we were talking about earlier this week. As soon as the bell rings. Oh yeah. Have have Austin gun slap the ref. So calls a DQ right there. You're robbed of the entire match within 30 seconds. Right. I love that ending. I love if you're going to do a DQ do it right like that. Make it memorable. Yeah. Um, make it to where people I, I dig that. literally feel screwed out of the money they paid. And then it's like we were just talking about with the Texas death match. 
it can lead to something big. Mm-hmm. To it can lead to the, the double dog collar type match, the mm-hmm. the falls count anywhere, no DQs. Yeah, where FTR gets to beat the bloody piss out of out of the guns, yeah. which is what everybody wants to see. Mm-hmm. And I I like that teasing the the audience a little yeah. bit with it. And it's not lazy booking. It's the idea of we're gonna milk this for the biggest payday that we can. We want the most eyes to tune in. Yeah. Like we want people to spend money and to set aside eight hours for a pay-per-view just to watch the gun boys get destroyed. Let's talk about the match of the night. Everyone knows this is the match of the night, quite possibly one of the greatest Iron Man matches to ever happen. This had some very inventive stuff in it mm-hmm. that I I really hope and I, I'm I personally I think they'll be talking about this match for years and years and years to come. I hope one day it gets talked in the same breath as Sean and Brett. So you said it first. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna jump right on that thought that you just said. I think this is the closest an Iron Man match has come to being Brett Sean level. Not just in-ring ability, but entertainment. Because going into this match, I also heard a hot take that has changed my view on Iron Man. Because my thought has been like, an Iron Man match is great as long as the quality doesn't, you know, you don't want to be mindful of the time the entire time. It keeps going like this. Yeah, it's a gradual build that it keeps you It doesn't go... Okay, now we're going. Yeah, because I heard somebody say, I hate Iron Man matches because only the last five minutes matter when they go to sudden death. Because You've been listening to Conrad. Somewhere. I've been listening to Cardona and Myers because they both, they both said... Iron Man matches are dumb because only the last few minutes matter. And it's true, but this was a master class, and I don't use that phrase lightly, in keeping your audience's attention for 70 minutes. I'm not saying you need every match to be 70 minutes. I'm not saying every match needs to be 20 minutes. I'm saying regardless of your time limit, whether it's two minutes, whether it's a 30-second squash, or it's a 70 minute 60 man iron man or 60 minute iron man match plus a 10 minute sudden death your match needs to be to where nobody is aware of the time whether how much is left or how much is passed because they're so enthralled and hooked and this was a masterclass in that because i got to be honest at the end of a super long pay-per-view i was like man <clears throat> you know there were rumors of you know Brian Danielson wants the pay-per-view to open with that match. And, you know, if it would have been a more stale Iron Man match, that would have been the right move so we could get that long chunk out of the way. But it definitely wasn't the right move to to start it. It needed to go on last. And they delivered. uh, They stood up to the expectations. I said this to to a friend, my my friend uh, Brian. Um. this match was so good that I would have been okay if it ended in a draw. Mm-hmm. But then you got that little bit of sprinkle on the end with that sudden death. I loved the way that they got Tony Schiavone 
to to get there i it, it just worked but my favorite thing was the moment where mjf grabbed the rope danielson is facing the other way he's got him in i believe it was the half crab mm-hmm. he grabs the rope the ref starts to call for the rope break so the MJF already knows the ref has seen the rope break. It's now legal. And he starts hitting the mat tapping. Mm-hmm. And it it's that, that it's ring psychology. Details. It's that ring psychology because now Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson thinks he just won the match. Mm-hmm. He heard the tap and he just won. And that's whenever MJF won it. <coughs> he had made Danielson believe that he had just won the match and caught him off guard. He outsmarted the greatest in-ring general <laughs> we've seen in the last 30 years. Uh, I, I, it, 100%. And I loved, I loved the early DQ from MJF because it makes sense. It made... It was amazing because he he gets DQ'd and that means Danielson is down. He's worse for wear from getting the low blow. So MJF picks up two consecutive pinfalls in three seconds. Mm -hmm. He gets one pinfall. Three seconds later, he has two pinfalls. Now we're tied. What it's what an amazing spot. Mm-hmm. That should be used more in an Iron Man match from a heel mentality. Yeah, I don't want it to be used that much, just because then it's not going to be as special. But the psychology that was used in this match, it shows just how smart both competitors are as far mm-hmm. as in ring ability. And MJF in the in the media scrum after the show said the truest words I've ever heard from him. And that's, I hope now all of you mouth breathers, I can't remember the exact word, but it's basically mouth breather, neck beards. will sit there and go. Yeah. MJF can hang. MJF is the best wrestler in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, is he legitimately the best wrestler in the world? That's remained to be seen, but he's certainly showing that he knows exactly what to do with these big moments. Yeah, He's not a one trick pony. Yeah. He's not just a guy that can talk. He can back it up and he, and he can do, he can do the, the spot correctly to make, you know, make it make sense. Make it seem real. Yeah. You know, the, Playing off of what you said, the media scrum, he said something that is 100% accurate, that there is nobody in the industry that can talk as good as he talks, wrestle as good as he talks, and look as good as he looks, physique-wise, all at the same oh time. Gosh. His physique he, is unreal right like now. Like, you've got some great talkers, and you've got some great wrestlers, and you've got some great physiques, but it's been a while since we've seen somebody excel so high at all three at the same time, we've we've seen close. Like let's let's take Kenny. Like Kenny's got a great physique. His in ring work is great, and sometimes his promos are great. 
But there's always, more often than not, Roman Reigns included, there's always some point where one of those diminishes because you're trying Mm. to emphasize one of the others. And with MJF, it's like, what can this guy not do? Is he the best at all three? No. Is he the best at doing all three consecutively right now? Honestly, right now probably. he's right now he is what a major league baseball scout would call a five tool athlete. One hundred percent. He can he he is not the greatest at every single one of those, but he is top tier on every single one of 100%. those. One hundred percent. There is a better wrestler out there than him. I don't know if there's a better talker out there than him right now. There are better physiques than him, but there are there is nobody out there right now, save for maybe Roman Reigns, save for maybe Cody Rhodes, that have all three consistently every single night. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's proving that he's the right choice as your world champion. And before this match, I was starting to doubt his legitimacy as world champion. And now I am fully on board with his reign. Cause this is, this is the level of when he needed same thing as we've been saying kind of throughout the podcast. He wins the title in a very kind of lackluster way, partially because of the punk stuff that happened. Right. And so you have that white hot momentum of MJF returns. CM Punk almost sabotages the company and robs MJF of capitalizing that white hot return to where it's like, okay, well now I'm thrusted into this feud with Moxley out of nowhere. A lot of people forget that the, the media scrum and MJF's return was the same night. Yeah. Like literally within 10 minutes of both events happening, that happens and within I mean, 10 minutes of him revealing that he is the guy that showed up earlier in the show. Yeah. Like it's insane. And now we're finally kind of beyond the stain of that to where it's like, okay, like this is on par with if MJF had beaten punk for the title and capitalize on that return and everything that he said. Cause MJF is, proved everything that he's been saying that he's he's mjf and he's better than you and there's nothing we can do it makes me like i i want him in aw as long as he'll stay but i can't help but think about you have a character this well-rounded and developed as mjf hop over to wwe you pair him with cody boom there's box office right there and as young as he is yeah you put him with sammy Imagine the sympathy Sami Zayn is going to get from having to face MJF and the bangers that they can put on, the stories that they can tell. Roman Reigns. You have MJF straight up call out Roman as like, hey, like I talk better than you talk. I wrestle way better than you can wrestle. My physique is better than your physique. Like I don't have as many tattoos, but like Roman... I'm not having, I didn't have to wear a vest for the first eight years of my career. Like you, like there's so much you could do and I love it because he's getting, and we have to remember just how young MJF is. Like you just said, 25. Yeah. 26. Sorry. How short his career has been. 
and yeah. it's it's amazing. He, he made his debut in 2015. Yeah, hasn't even been in the business 10 years, and he's arguably in the top five currently in the industry. And let's let's evolve from that as well. Um, last Sunday night was AEW's showcase of their young talent. Mm-hmm. Did I send you did I send you the list of the ages of the winners from the you, other night? You did not. The oldest winner on the main card. We're not counting the the pre-show because obviously that throws all of this out of balance. Um the oldest person to pick up the win last night, 35 years old. And that was Wardlow. Which is crazy. You, I didn't realize did I didn't realize Ricky Starks was 33. Hangman is 31. Hangman is a year younger than me. Hangman seems like he's been around for 15 years. <laughs> Jamie Hader is 27. Jungle Boy is 25. Um Okay, Malachi Black is 37. This this wasn't on the list was the trio's title. Um but they're all younger. Uh Brody is 35, Buddy's 34. The Guns, they're both like right around 28. I want to say the other one's 26, 31 and 28. And then MJF is 25. This is this this pay-per-view is a showcase of what's coming for the for the for the main event scene of of AEW. It absolutely is. These are the these are the names we're going to be talking about in 10 years that have had multiple title reigns, have had multiple tag team title reigns who have dominated this company and have become the pillars of the company. And I hope I hope MJF stays. I really do. But, you know, I'm also on board with you. How amazing would that? How amazing would that pop be? Cody Rhodes wins the title. You know, Cody Rhodes just defended the title at WrestleMania, whatever. And then MJF walks out. I would love it. It it changes the landscape 100%. Instantly. WWE has the biggest rising star in the business at their disposal. Wow. I, on a on a different note, a little bit of a sadder note, I'm curious to see what Danielson does from here as we're getting ready to wrap up because this was it was either failed t- title match number four in a row or number five. That since Danielson has been in AEW, he's challenged for the world title and has failed to capture it. It's something. It's something close to that. Um, I want. I want to say it's four after the Iron Man match, but I, I'd have to. Let's see. Double check. Omega. Okay, this is this is how I, I'm going to go on a real quick tangent here. This is how you know Dave Meltzer is a huge has a huge bias. 
He did not receive his first five-star match until he joined AEW. That's wrong. That's wrong. Um, that there's no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. He had the 30 minute time limit draw with Omega. He had, um, the 60 minute time limit draw with hangman. It's funny. Both of his time limit draws are the ones that he got five stars from Meltzer. Uh, of course. here's the third. He faced page for the world title was defeated in his first official loss. Um, 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 um. He. Yeah, this was his. Uh, this was his. Um, fifth loss for the AEW title. And he also took a loss for the ROH world title so, uh, when Jericho held it. And obviously, Danielson's a big enough talent. He doesn't need to be in the title picture to be taken seriously. But it's one of those things to where I don't think he needs to be anywhere near the world title picture anytime soon until he's built up that credibility storyline-wise. Obviously, he can mm-hmm. challenge any day of the week, but now it's like, dude, you've challenged six times for a world title, either ROH or AEW, and mm-hmm. you've lost all of them cleanly for the most part. I mean, you could argue MJF, you know, was sneaky, but like he beat him regardless. And so it's one of those things to where it just makes you wonder. What's next for Danielson? Where does he go from here? You know, I think he this was perfect in terms of elevating MJF and building credibility and legitimacy to his run as champion. And so I'm very I'm excited. I hope, you know, as much as I don't want to see Danielson retire, I hope that for the rest of his time in AEW before he retires is him just elevate, not necessarily losing Right. But in meaningful programs that are going to elevate the talent that he's in the program with. Well, and I think I think that's where we're at with him, where he is not going to be the guy that's going to win the big one. But he wants to be the guy that ushers in the new generation. He wants to be the guy that went toe to toe with the up and coming talent and put them over. Mm-hmm. and help to them become stars because because Brian Danielson is at that point where he is he can be a star maker and he's he's proving that um so I'm I don't see him being in many more title matches I do hope that he has one last even short title run mm-hmm. just to cement the legacy just, you know, he held the AEW title. He held the WWE title. He held the world heavyweight title. And he held the ROH world title. And I think even if it's one of those things to where he finally wins it in his last match. Yeah. And then he relinquishes and they have a farewell ceremony on TV the next week. I think that's perfectly fine. S- Here's my take on that. 
if I'm doing that, I want him to win the ROH title and then relinquish it. I agree. I think you have him win it one last time and have it to where he, maybe you make it a literal passing of the torch to where he, you know, you have his farewell ceremony and he gets to crown the next ROH champion. Yeah. Or he gets to handpick, you know, maybe you have a number, whoever he beats for it, you know, they get their rematch, right? And have Danielson say, you know, I'm announcing my retirement. I'm relinquishing this title. You know, so-and-so, you're going to get your your rematch. Jungle Boy Jack Perry, you're yeah. you're taking my place in the next match. Folks, we got uh, Jake, uh, J- Jack, uh, uh, what's his name? Jungle, Jung... Jungle, jungle. We Jack. got Luke Perry coming out here, and I got nine hundred two one zero on on next. Uh, I I think it would just be sick for him to just use that and instantly like if it's you know, I hope it's someone other than Wheeler Yuta, but like let's say if it's somebody like an Eddie Kingston, I'd be okay with it being a Wheeler Yuta. I would too, but I it's one of those things. Is there somebody else that we right. could ele- like you know just right. Boom, they skip to the front of the line. I don't know who that is off and, the top of my head, but in our new ROH men's champion, Willow Nightingale. There you go. There we go. But man, I can't say any more wonderful things about uh Revolution. They brought it, and it was it was the as Sports Illustrated said, Revolution was the momentum shifting pay-per-view that they needed. And I think that's going to be what we remember about this was this was the this was the pay-per-view that they they took their ball and started running again. Mm-hmm. And so. they've needed to for a while. Um, But Landon, I, that's all I have to say about tonight. Uh, do you have any uh, anything else to say? I don't. If you haven't watched Revolution, give it a shot. And even if you don't have time to watch the whole card. Go watch MJF versus Danielson. Yeah. You won't regret put, it. Put your phone away. Watch it. There was not a moment in the 65 actual minutes of the match. Mm-hmm. 70 mi- minutes counting, you know, the break <clears throat> that I picked my phone up and started yeah. swiping Facebook. Let, let yourself be immersed. You will not because regret it. Because it. it was that good. So, mm-hmm. um, Landon. Uh, I have been Kinzer Kiel. You have been Mr. Rasslin, Landon Bumgarner. And as always, we are so grateful that you even listened to our itty bitty whittle podcast. I don't know why I said that. That's weird. <laughs> 99% of it's what I all say, right I do it just to pop itty bitty. Itty bitty. But what's Little not itty bitty is our love for those of you who give us a chance. Spread the word, join our Facebook group, leave us a review, like, and subscribe. We've got some some good stuff in the works. I Before we went on air, I told Jake I spent a lot of time filming and recording um, with some people with like-minded interests. And so I'm just going to leave that as that, but stay tuned because there is some really good stuff coming down the pipeline. But seriously, guys, we... We thank you for supporting the brothers in kayfabe because we're getting real close to wrapping up season five. So I, 
I would say season five is going to end before you know it. It is. So, Jake, if you don't have anything else to add, all I've got to say is Revolution, Danielson versus MJF, and pro wrestling is just too sweet for life. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.